On October 94, a fundraising committee was elected here in the Carmelite Monastery in Tala to raise funds to rebuild our monastery. I was elected chairman. The amount of money that we were targeted to raise was 400,000. In the initial stages, I thought that it would be almost impossible to reach that target. But the sisters, even from an enclosed order, came out and helped us. And the influence and effect they had in our fundraising was immense. We travelled Lent and breadth of Ireland almost, because the amount of money was so large that if we confined it locally, that we would create hardship to the people that would be contributing. due to be re-roofed in May 1994 and prior to it I was speaking to Father Provincial and I just accidentally mentioned about the re-roofing project and he suggested that I get the building assessed um, and that was done in the early days of June 1994. On the 8th of June of that same year the engineer contacted me and asked if he could meet me to give me the report. So uh, I was accompanied by one of the sisters and uh, he, after preliminaries, he read the report to us of the condition of the building. We were absolutely shattered by it and uh, having detailed the condition of the house where we had uh, subsidence and um, dry rot and wet rot and uh, flow deflections due to subsidence. Uh, he then presented us with the four options either to ignore the facts of the structural condition of the house and re-roof to the tune of 100,000. That was the first option. The second option was to disperse as a community and uh, go to some other of our Carmelite monasteries. The third was to restructure the building from the inside out. And the fourth was to demolish and to build a new monastery. possibly one of the most shattering blows the community had received for a number of years and yet as a community we were in the Lord's own way prepared to receive this because we had worked together as a community on Carmelite spirituality and uh, we had worked in groups and we had made our own mission statement so that as a community we were very well bonded together and we were well able to support one another in the news that had broken. Following that then we had various days of discussion and of prayer and of um, further expert advice and then we took each of the options step by step and um, 
informed community decisions around them and the first one we looked at was the possibility of re-roofing and uh, as a community we felt that morally we could not go down that road that eliminated that one it left the three other options and uh, I entrusted the whole project and the whole future of the community into the arms and the heart of Christ and that this was the his community was his business and uh, I just asked that whatever road we went down that um, it would be the one that he would have designed for us but that I wanted a sign that we were going the right way. I suppose about a week later I received a letter from a Sister of Mercy who hadn't known our news at all and uh, in the letter she had sent a donation which she had received from a benefactor herself and thought we might be able to put it to good use and also a picture of the Sacred Heart with the prayer I, Sacred Heart of Jesus I place my trust in thee and I think that was the confirmation that I need it and then after that we went looked at the other options we got two independent uh, engineers to give their assessment, one of them being the man who had been engaged in the underpinning of the monastery in the 60s. And his words were that we would be throwing money into a bottomless pit. And he would see as the only solution, if we wish to remain together as a community, that we would demolish and build anew. We had spent so much time praying about it and individually just praying and we weren't discussing it among ourselves each one had to do her own praying and her own thinking out and then we had a secret vote about what we would do whether we would demolish or what we would do and I'll never forget the day when you see it was a secret vote nobody knew what anybody else was thinking and when I'll never forget it when we found that it was totally unanimous 12 of us wanted to demolish it was the most marvellous feeling that the whole community was united and that like, there was nobody going to be worried about it, nobody against it, that we were all one in going ahead. of the order go back to the Old Testament times really our inspiration comes from the prophet Elijah um, who is seen there on Mount Carmel that the prophets were there on Mount Carmel living lives of prayer as St. Elias said he spoke of God and he said that the Lord God in whose presence I live in whose presence I stand and that's really the basic thing of our life, that we live our lives in the presence of God, interceding for everybody that needs prayer.
the sisters came to Tallow in 1836 from Foundation in Warren Mountain, Dublin. A group of them came uh, by Biancony coach and they stayed overnight with the Ursuline community in Waterford. And then they arrived in Tallow on the 29th of July, 1836. Initially, the parish priest had invited sisters whom he thought were going to teach in school. And instead of an apostolic religious community, it was Carmelite sisters who came. But among them, there was one or two teachers, and they uh, rose to the situation, and they taught in the school until the 1910-1912 period. That situation provided a bonding with the local community. Um, the sisters got to know the people of the town, and then uh, later on, during the famine time, the sisters were instrumental in establishing a lace-making industry. This provided a livelihood for many of the people of the town, and it is reputed that many of the uh, lace-making was exported to England and formed part of the gowns of the royalty in England at the period. is what our life still is, a life of prayer, supporting in particular priests and the um, bishops and the Holy Father, but also praying for all the needs of the Holy Church. The central point of the rule is that we are praying and meditating day and night on the law of the Lord and watching in prayer. And also the basic point of the rule is the following of Jesus Christ, the imitation of Jesus Christ. So that we are, our life really is a following of Jesus Christ, to become closer to him, to live as he would live, uh, in accordance with this way of life. Um, we have, since our Holy Mother's time, we have two sides to our life. There is the, the community aspect of it, and there is the hermit aspect. Now we have, we come together for mass for the divine office for meals and also for recreation twice a day and then the rest of the day as far as possible we work alone it isn't always possible but we do keep silence we work in silence and as I say and that is the basic thing going back to the hermits living on Mount Carmel they worked alone in their hermitages the sisters have formed tremendous bonds with the local community. They withdrew from the school once there were an adequate supply of teachers available and they came in what we would term the enclosure and uh, re-established themselves as a strictly enclosed community of Carmelite sisters 
whose life was devoted to prayer. The school continued under lay management until the 1970s when it was condemned as a school and then the sisters bought it back from the Department of Education and we established a printing department in it. Printing is our main source of livelihood. We print greeting cards, mass cards, cards with a Christian message. We have sisters who have artistic talent in the community so that the whole process really is within the community from the design to the finished product is accomplished by the sisters themselves. It was a traumatic experience. We not only had to demolish and build a new house so that our life of prayer could continue, we also had the task of fundraising. I know many people would have asked me about, you know, expectations of fundraising and what I possibly feared about it. But I would have to honestly say that the burden of the financial side of it did not impact on me as much as the concern I would have had for the community at that period. And uh, for each sister as an individual person within the community, and particularly for the older sisters who had the old St. Joseph's Tallow as their home and had entered with that, you know, that that would be their home for life. And here was a disruption maybe after 30, 40, and in some cases maybe 50 years. This weighed on me, I'd say, more, and as well as that, when one that one or two of the older sisters would become disorientated in a new setting. It, it was, and then, of course, there was the whole lifestyle that was changed with it as well. We had been, in a sense, very secluded in our monastery in Tallow, and here was a sudden thrust forward into massive exposure Before we moved from Tallow to the convent in Lismore, we had uh, Eucharistic celebrations and thanksgiving for various groups who were associated with the community over the years. We had uh, one for the parish, people of the parish. We had one for the clergy. We had one for youth and one for religious. And then on the day on which we were moving in the afternoon, We had a little uh, ritual ourselves in the choir during which a container of clay which was from tallow from the convent grounds had been uh, put into, the clay had been put into a container and each sister dropped in some seeds into it. It was symbolising the transplantation from tallow to Lismore but that in that uh, ritual we were bringing something of tallow with us to Lismore. And uh, while the, um, we were awaiting the demolition and the, of the old monastery and the building of the new, uh, the seeds were germinating and uh, growing. 
and the signs of new life or us as a community. Then in the last days, actually, a lot of people supported us by coming with trucks and lorries and they took our beds and bought things over daily that we would need. And um, in actual fact, we had a photographer who came and uh, took photographs of the last visions of the house and different areas and um, which would we'd always hold, you know, in great... Um, all really of the old days and then I remember distinctly uh, the saddest day of all was when the Blessed Sacrament was taken from the church and um, we left Tallow as a community, as one and um, we placed the Blessed Sacrament in Lismore um, and we knew then that our prayer life would continue and that's what it's all about really in Carmel and um, there was a sense of relief and uh, a sense of uh, trust and hope for the future and we were very delighted that we were together as a community and that the elderly sisters um, made it as well because some were very old and um, there was a wonderful reception in Lismore and a welcoming committee for us there and the house was spick and span and um, we were just happy to be together. close community of 13 sisters and who had never had to raise uh, that amount of money or any amount of money for that matter and the fundraising for £400,000 was indeed a very big challenge to all of us. Uh, The first uh, fundraising event that the sisters were engaged in uh, was at uh, Galway Races. One group went to Galway Races and because the international show at Mill Street was on the same week, another group went to Mill Street. We went with the intention to, of selling tickets for an Isuzu Jeep to Galway Races. And it was a magnificent summer in July that year. And uh, we were all prepared for the sale of the tickets. Uh, before we went, we went to Air Square and we set up in Air Square and I went to the Galway Bay radio station and spoke over the radio. And when I came back, the chairman of the fundraising committee had a tape, a musical tape on, which was a, over a speaker system attached to the Jeep. And we were really intrigued in seeing the young people dancing down the street to the uh, music. We went to Galway Races in the afternoon and it wasn't long before we discovered that really it wasn't a venue for selling tickets. People were going in to back horses and they were rushing in and to see races and rushing, equally rushing out. 
So we decided there and then to resort to a bucket collection. So uh, we arranged then to go down to Mill Street to the Garda station and I went in and I explained our situation to the guards and they had already been informed, uh, Garda from the racecourse had already informed them of it so that when I went in I was greeted with, well here are the enclosed comrade sisters from County Waterford taking Galway by storm in more ways than one. I wasn't one of the sisters who went out to collect because I just wasn't able for it. But I was one of the sisters who would answer the door at home. And a few times, Vilni got into me. And when they come and ask for one of the sisters who was out fundraising, and I would say, oh, no, she's not here. She's gone to Galway races. Well, if I didn't enjoy the face of the person, as much as to say, my God, had they, had they gone to the dogs altogether? And then... Somebody else would ask for another sister and say, oh no, she's gone to Mill Street, to the horse show. <laughs> well, um, our first experience of the media, in, well, as distinct from newspapers and things like that, was um, when we appeared on Nationwide. Michael Ryan's crew came just to do a piece on the monastery, our situation, the heading that he had actually on the bit of news the first um, day that it appeared on the news was that there was a monastery sinking, which was quite dramatic. But the need to find extra income has taken on new urgency. The nuns were taken aback to be told recently that their convent is literally falling down. Cracks are appearing in the various buildings. The foundation uh, they did the most beautiful piece Expert on the situation, on our life, and had showed a great understanding and sensitivity to our life. They took lots of um, film around the monastery of the sisters at the various jobs, and it was quite. Um, it had quite an effect. Continue on the banks of the River Bride. Well, when the fundraising started, uh, Mother was getting all the talents of the sisters put to good use. And two years before that, a friend of mine had very kindly given me an easel. And Mother had said to me, go away now and paint a picture. And I hadn't painted for 20 years, you could say. I was involved in the printing and hadn't done very much. So I got a bit of help. And then providentially, when the building was to come down, Mother decided, well, Sister Ruth could paint pictures. And I was very surprised when I came one day and I saw a notice at the end of the stairs in the convent and Mother had a list of all the fundraising ventures that she had in mind. She had written, Sister Ruth, an exhibition next March. And I thought, well, God bless her innocence. <laughs> and I couldn't see it happening. But yet, I was enjoying this new adventure. And every morning I used to go into my art room 
I, she gave me an art room in the Lismore where we were, and it was just bliss, because every morning I used to think, what will I paint today? And uh, I put exhibition out of my mind completely, and I'd go in and I'd look for a board and I'd start off whatever little whim I had. And then, at Christmas, a very good friend of mine in Dublin rang me uh, to wish me a happy Christmas and she said, and what are you doing? And I said, I'm painting you pictures for an exhibition. <laughs> and she said, where are you having your exhibition? And I said, well, I don't know, but it's supposed to be at Easter time. So she said, I think I could help you. So she organised the venue, and I had it, and it went very well. So I brought in quite a considerable amount on that exhibition. I think the people were very kind. I think they were buying the pictures out of sympathy with the Carmelites, having no convent to live in. Concerns. It's the Late Late Show, and here is your host, Gay Byrne. over in the printing, it'd be about twenty past four, and Sister Mary had received a message from, a phone message from Mother in Dublin saying that she and Sister Magdalena would be on the Late Late Show, and that there was a fax message coming through. So we were in the printing room, we beginning to tidy up, getting ready for Vespers, which would be at twenty-five to five, and Sister came over and the message came through telling us this news. It was a great shock to all of us. It was the last thing we had expected because we knew the two sisters had gone to Dublin to do some business in aid of the building fund. So we were in great consternation. So Sister Mary then wondered how our senior sisters would take it, whether she'd informed them or put up a notice. So uh, two or three of us agreed that she should inform them individually and see how, what the reaction would be. And uh, whilst we were very worried for them going on it, there was a great consensus that we were very pleased and we were proud of them to have the courage to do that for us. So we composed a letter 
a joint letter from all of us, telling them we wish them well and that we would be praying for their success. It did take a lot of thought and a lot of prayer because um, this was a different situation with Nationwide. Um, Michael Ryan and his crew came in and we hadn't to go out of the enclosure but um, they told us that the Late Late would be a live chat show and um, it was a bit more daunting if you like but to be quite honest I um, I was quite at ease with it. Once I had made the decision that well it seemed to be God's way for us I thought of what our Lord said in the gospel that when they bring you before kings and governors don't think about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give it to you and my whole dependence was on that promise and it was verified in our case because the answers just came I didn't find it daunting at all once the decision was made that we'd go forward and go on the late late I hadn't any butterflies about it at all And I must say that when we went out on the sets and I saw this whole array of people, I'd say two-thirds of them young people, I thought this is great. And they were so interested and um, asked such interesting questions. I was totally unaware of the way the time was passing, so much so that I thought that we had been a total flop and that we were off the air in no time. But it was, I found it quite enjoyable. Uh, we were. I was feeling quite nervous about it at that particular time. I knew the audience were assembled, and um, the fact that we were appearing live was um, quite an ordeal. And I wasn't particularly looking forward to it. Then, just before we were due to come on, uh, we were behind the screen, and one of the researchers said to us, well, you know, you're the experts, you're the people that are living the life. And that sort of put everything into perspective. I thought, well, yeah, you know, what's to worry about, really, that if it was going to be on the life, well, surely we should be able to answer. the show in the community room and some of us were sitting in the front and some of us were sitting in the back and the next thing out of the blue Sister Gabriel said let's start praying for them so a group of us at the front started the Hail Mary 
and a group then at the back started the Hail Holy Queen. So then we waited and the signature tune came on with this bird on it and I immediately got a pain inside with anxiety for them. So we waited and saw the first half and then we saw the two of them coming on. So whilst we enjoyed it, we were praying for them. At the same time, until the actual show finished, we had kind of anxiety because we didn't know what way the questions would go, how the public may view this situation because we had received a lot of different opinions about it and expressed to us in fundraising what we'll be doing building a monastery when so many convents were being closed. And I think the answer would be that a monastery is different to a convent. It was our roots here for over 160 years and we felt we owed this to our founding sisters of the past. So we went... um, So they answered all those questions that were put to them and they had a very nice audience there, beautiful girls. And indeed we were very edified by the beautiful questions they were asked. To me it meant that they had a deep spirituality in their own lives and that they too were searching. So we were delighted when their session finished and we thank God that they had done so well and we were very proud of them. Uh, the letters we got were wonderful. Um, there was one I got from a girl of quite a young girl doing exams and she has been in touch for a number of times since then. Several others they've continued to write. Some of the stories were heartbreaking really, you know, but they were so glad to have some place they could write to for prayers. You know, that um that they realised well that they weren't on their own, that we were there to help them with our prayers and uh, I think it did got a lot of good in that way. The building of the new monastery here in Tallow at a time when so many convents were closing the support we received from the people is a tribute to the faith and generosity of those people who had faith not only in the life of the present community but also in the future life of the community that the Carmelite Monastery in Munster would be a house of prayer for future generations. And thank God it is our experience at present that we are blessed with new life. We have two in the novitiate at the moment and one entering to do a live-in very shortly. I think this has been the inspiration and uh, for us and I would say too that it is a fruit of faith of the faith of the community 
and the faith and generosity of the people who supported us. So that in some sense, where one speaks about faith in prayer, I think in a very tangible and a very real way, we can see the fruit of it in the construction of a new monastery here, where so many people put their faith in God and in the generosity of people and worked together to achieve a house of prayer for future generations. Describe these windows to people who haven't seen them is very difficult. But when you come into our church, you are struck by a blaze of color. There's 14 feet high window, and I think it's 10, oh, it must be almost the same width, I'm not too sure. But the windows are depicted in bright, glorious, golden colors and um, a very, very deep red. There are several mountains here. The deep red mountain depicts the mountain of sacrifice. There are all sorts of little pathways going up through these mountains. The smaller mountains are the mountains where our Lord prayed, Mount Tabor, and Mount Sinai, the mountains in the Bible. And then at the foot of the mountains, you see water and a boat. And we all know that our Lord invited his disciples to come apart and to rest a while. And he wanted them to enjoy the splendid, just the need for being alone and having space. In the background, you can hear the trickle of the water. Um, it is designed, it flows out from under the tabernacle here and um, divides into three streams, irrigating the other parts of the area where you have living plants. Water uh, has always been a, a large feature in the Carmelite spirituality. St. Teresa speaks of it a lot, uses it as an image when she's speaking of prayer. You also find it spoken of in the Old Testament, um, where the water flows out from under the temple, and also in the Apocalypse. The water also symbolizes the water of baptism. It goes back also to our Carmelite roots on Mount Carmel, where the hermits lived near the fountain of Elias on Mount Carmel.
In this program, you have heard the voices of Moss Geary, Mother Patrice, and sisters Magdalena, Mary, Ruth, Joseph, and Bernadette Joseph of the Carmelite Monastery, Tallow. Sister Has Gone to the Races was by Madeline O'Rourke. Sound supervision was by Adon O'Doyle, and production supervision was by Lorelei Harris. <laughs>